All right. I'm going to start off with a question real quick. Okay, we're going to start off with a question. I want you to raise your hand if you've ever been to one of our big events, like a beach retreat or a fall riot or a second students conference. So look around. That's, that's a big group of you guys. Now, second question, follow-up. I want you to raise your hand if worship was your favorite part of that event. Now look at that. Keep your hand up real quick. Everybody look around. That's almost everybody. <laughs> so these, these worship parts of these events are a big deal. Like, they're a big deal. And there's, I, I don't think you guys know how much work goes in. You can put your hand down now. There you go. <laughs> but like, I don't think you guys know how much work goes into that. Like, all of those worship services are planned pretty much to the second for months and for years. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into them. And when we look at these events... When you look at those worship services, God does some amazing stuff in them. God does some great things in these worship events. You have people that go from death to life. You have people that give their lives to Jesus in those worship services. You have people that experience God for the very first time. You also have people that rededicate, that they, they've wandered from God, but during those worship services, they truly see that relationship that they've been missing, and they make their way back to God. And then you also have people that continue that relationship and they grow in those relationships and through those worship services, they get to take a new step that they've never taken before. They get to grow in their faith and they bring friends to these worship services and they see their friends make that decision to follow Jesus for the first time. These worship services are awesome at these events like Beach Retreat, the Second Students Conference, all these different things. But one of the things we see as a staff that happens sometimes is You'll have this massive worship service, this grandiose display with all the lights and all the music and all these different things, and you'll have this big moment, and then we'll come home, and you'll go a week, two weeks, and you'll come here to live, and for some reason, something feels stale. Something feels off. Something feels missing. And when, when, when I think about this, I start looking at the stuff that we have here. Because like, here's the thing. We, we do the same songs here that we do at Beach Retreat. We do the same songs. We have a lot of the same musicians. Like if you look at Sunday morning, we have the drummer, who's Amanda's husband. The drummer for the Beach Retreat band is, is Brian. And he plays here. You have Ivan, who's our lead guitarist. He's the lead guitarist of the Beach Retreat band. And then you have a man that sings like an angel. It's here every week. And he leads us here on Wednesdays as well. You have Chris. Chris is on the Beach Retreat Band. And you have these, it's the same band. It's the same music. We even have some of the best media people. We have this massive screen as I turn to look at myself. That's awkward. Uh, but like, you have this massive screen. That thing's ridiculous. It's huge. Like, you have all this different stuff. But a lot of times we feel like something's missing. And I was trying to figure out what that was. And this has kind of been a journey for me over the past couple of years. I really wanted to know what is worship. And I started thinking about there's other examples of worship. I got a couple that I'll throw here on the screen. But you've got different versions of worship that are going to come up. Like you have like some people when they think of worship, they're thinking of like tribal dancing. You have uh, people going to Mecca and you have like the five million people all bowing and praying. You have beach retreat worship. You have Catholicism where they're doing the Eucharist and they're uh, praying while walking up the holy steps in Rome. And you have all these different examples of worship. 
but a lot of them seem off. So I did something that you're supposed to do when you don't get something and you don't understand something. I asked for help. Um, we have two people on our campus that are awesome for this question. I took Chris out to Torchy's and we sat there for about two hours and just talked over, like, what is your opinion of what worship is? Chris is our worship pastor at the North Campus. He's been leading worship here since he was in high school and he's been leading worship for a number of years. And I also took out somebody else that a lot of you guys have seen before, Mark Terry. Um, he is not just the announcement pastor. He, uh, he's our campus pastor. He kind of runs day-to-day -day stuff. But before he was our campus pastor, he was actually a worship pastor for about 30 years, 35 years. And I wanted to see these two guys that are super passionate about worship. I wanted to know what their opinion of worship was. And I asked both of them a question. It was one of the first questions I asked. I was like, if there's a Bible verse that sums up what worship is, what would it be? Both guys gave me the exact same answer. Both guys gave me the exact same answer. And that answer was Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. And if you look at it, this is what it says. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If you look at that verse, it says that worship, your spiritual act of worship, is to offer your body as a living sacrifice. Offer your body as a living sacrifice. Now, if you look at a sacrifice and you go back into the Old Testament, that was their form of worship. That was their worship service. The entire country would come together. They would converge on Jerusalem. They would bring in a goat. They'd bring in a sheep. They'd bring in a bull. They'd bring in the two pigeons. And they'd bring in these animals. And that was their way of restoring their relationship with God. That was their way of making peace with God. And they would bring this animal, and that would restore them to the relationship that they were trying to have. But as Christians, we don't have to do a sacrifice anymore. Jesus came down. He lived the life, the sinless life that we were supposed to live. He died the death that we deserve, taking our punishment, taking the wrath of God for us, and then rose three days later, conquering that death so that we can have that relationship. But more than that, so we don't have to do a sacrifice. We can have a relationship with the God that loved us that much. So instead, Paul, when he's writing this letter to the Roman church, he says, offer your body as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. So I, I started thinking about how do, how do you do that? Um, there's a guy, he lived back in the 20s and 30s. He died in 1945. Um, but they've made a movie about him. It's called Chariots of Fire. His name was Eric Little, or Lydell, however you pronounce it. Um, but he was a track and field star, okay? He was from Scotland. He represented the UK in the Olympics. He actually won the gold medal. Um, he was a very well-known Christian, um, so well-known, in fact, that uh, he, his best event was the 100-meter uh, sprint. And that event actually was taking place on a Sunday, and because it took place on a Sunday, and that was his Sabbath, he actually refused to do his best race and ran the 400 instead, which is four times as long, and he won the gold medal in that event. It was like this big deal um, about his faith. And Eric Little, one of the things that you see in this movie is that for him, running was worship. 
For him, running was a way for him to worship God. Uh, his, his sister called him out because he missed a, a church service one time when he was running a race. He was like, I love God with all my heart, but God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And that was a guy that took everything he did and he did it for the glory of God. It's a heart thing. It's an everyday thing. When, you, when I say it's a heart thing, you see this all throughout Scripture. There's a difference between worshiping through sacrifices, all those kind of things. If you look at Psalm 51, you kind of see this laid out. It's one of the more interesting psalms in the Bible because David had just made the biggest mistake of his life. He'd committed adultery. He got Bathsheba pregnant. And then to cover that sin up, he had her husband murdered. And Psalm 51 is his apology to God. It's him calling out to God saying, I know I screwed up. I know I messed up. And in this, in verse 15, you kind of see him make a really big statement that was different from that time period. It says, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. It deals with your heart. It deals with your heart. Like when these people a lot of times did sacrifices in the Old Testament, they would, they would bring these bulls and offerings, but they did it just to get it over with, just so that they could go back to their normal life. They'd bring it, wipe their sins away for a little bit, and then go back to their old life. That's not the heart that God wanted in that act. It happens again if you look at 1 Samuel uh, chapter 15, that I just knocked my page away. There you go. But if you look at 1 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 22, it says, And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is to better than sacrifice. To listen is better than the fat of rams. So once again, it's dealing with the heart. It's dealing with this action of obedience and following God. It's not just that one moment of doing a sacrifice. It's an everyday process. And then lastly, you have Isaiah chapter 29. In verse 13, it says, And the Lord said, Because this people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, while their hearts are far from me. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. And what he's saying there is these people are following God and they're, they're, they're coming to a worship service and they're praising God. They're, they're saying all the lyrics that you see on the screen. But they're not feeling it. Their heart is a hundred miles away. And they're going through the motions. So if you're truly wanting to worship, it comes down to this living sacrifice. Living this life as a sacrifice. Now how many of you guys, live is your entire life? we got like three people, four people, something like that. It's not. It, live's just an hour. Well, depending on how long-winded speakers get. It's about an hour. What about Sunday morning worship? Is that your entire life? No, it's not. It's an hour. God calls us to live our lives, to give our lives. And one of the things you see, if you're living life like Eric Little, if you're living life as a living sacrifice, it starts to change everything about you. It starts to change every single moment of your life. If you're thinking about how you study, if you're studying for God, if you're studying as an act of worship 
for God and you're giving that to him, it changes the way you study. You're going to go at it harder. You're going to try to remember things better because you're using it as an act of worship and you're doing it for God. You're trying to please God with the way that you're studying. If you're playing a sport, this is something that I had to wrap my head around in high school. If I'm playing a sport and I'm playing it as an act of worship, it changes the way you compete. 100%. It changes the way you compete. It changes the way you talk to your competitors. Like if you get a bad call in the middle of a game, like you get a foul called on you and you didn't touch the dude, it changes the way you react to the ref. It changes the way you react when you lose because you're thinking about how does this affect other people's opinion of the God that I'm serving. You're consciously thinking about how am I going to worship God with this action? How am I going to worship God with what I'm doing? If you're living your life as an act of worship, it changes the way you speak. It changes the way you talk to other people. It impacts the words that are coming out of your mouth. It impacts the way you handle situations. If you're living your life as an act of worship, it changes everything about your life. Everything. Everything. And then as you're going through, Wednesday happens. Sunday happens. Because as you, you've seen God work through these different situations, you've seen God work through your life, through the way that you're speaking to people, through your sports teams, you've seen God do all these different things. Then you come to Wednesday, you come to live, and you're thinking about all he's done. You're thinking about the relationship that you've built with him through these times. And then you start seeing the words that we're, talk, that we're saying on the screen. You start seeing how this life is truly worth living. This is living. You start seeing that there's truly nobody like you, God. You start seeing how God brings us and raises us to life. Those worship songs start to become real as you spend more and more time with Him. It becomes a real thing. You come to Sunday and you come together. We come together as a family and we worship. Worship. There's a a story that stuck with me as I was talking to Mark and I was talking to Chris. Mark was talking about his opinion of worship. This is something that encapsulated worship to him. Um, he had two kids, or has two kids. They, they're still here. Uh, but Elizabeth's currently in college. Uh, David is a worship pastor in Oklahoma. And one of the things that happened when Elizabeth was a little girl, she did dance. She did ballet and did all these different things. She did recitals and all this stuff. And she came to her dad one time. And it was something that she worked at and she practiced. And one day she comes to Mark and she says, Daddy, can I dance for you? She wanted to show her dad. She wanted to show her dad how much she loved him. It was a way of her saying, Dad, I love you. I respect your opinion. I want to show you what I'm working on. And Mark sits back in his chair and he watches his daughter dance and he's filled with love, he's filled with joy, he's filled with pride in his daughter. Because he truly appreciates what she's doing and he appreciates the heart and the work that she's putting into this. And whether she's good or not, he, he, he loves her for that. And then as David started learning how to play guitar and he starts writing his own songs, he would come to his dad and say, Dad, let me play this song for you. 
let me show you what I'm writing for God. And Mark would sit back and he would listen to his son and he would listen to the heart behind it. And it filled him with love. It filled him with pride in his kids. That's what worship is. We have a heavenly father who loves us, who cares for us, who loved us so much he was willing to send his only son. And he tries to spend time with us throughout the week. He wants to have that relationship so that when we come to life, we can have that moment when we're looking to him. When we sing here, it's us singing for our dad. It's us playing for our dad. It's showing him that we love him, that we care for him, that we appreciate him, that we appreciate what he's been doing for us throughout the week, what he's done for us throughout our lives. And God, when he looks down at you, when you have that heart, he's looking down at you, beaming from ear to ear with pride, beaming and wrapping you up in his arms and loving you. It's a beautiful moment. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. That's what worship is. It's living our life to please our Father. It's living our life to glorify our Father. And when we have a worship service, it's us coming together as a family of believers and worshiping the one that gave it all to us.